0: Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherds Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching.
1: Good morning, guys. Well, I'm looking around and I I think for the most part we've all kind of been on the same page as far as the study series that we've been in. Um, We are up to and through the first two parts of the Sermon on the Mount as we're looking through the life of Christ. And we're getting ready to soon enter into the third part. And when I say soon, that means yes, we have more interruptions. So uh, next week we will be in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's going to be kind of served as a bridge. Uh, but it'll be a couple of weeks before we go back into a full-fledged into that third section. Uh, today, I want to talk to you a little bit about this this theme of step into the house. I, I think I've got this set up. Let's see if I do, because I want a particular visual on the middle. Yeah, I want to talk to you about stepping into the house. and. Um, Again, if you've not been around, you don't know what I'm talking about with the house or the rooms or the switches or all the fun things that we've been talking about. Basically, we're just talking about areas within our church that we believe and have seen the Holy Spirit moving in, new, fresh ways, as well as people moving in in new and fresh ways. And I want to go back to that today. I want to do some very purposeful recap per se, a more directed recap as we continue to lean into that and then also lead each other into how to do that. And I want to start today with going into the life of Christ into a section we actually have already covered, but we covered very quickly on the way to Matthew's house that I want to look at from a different perspective and a little bit more deeper. So instead of going to Matthew today, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out and we're going to go to Luke, uh, I believe, yes, chapter 5. And we are going to dig into a section that we, again, we already talked about the miracle of Jesus, as far as some people wanting to get into a house. And I think there's things that we can learn from within that as we ask ourselves some directed questions today. So again, the uh, Bible uh all in the, the baskets around the room. You've got your version. If you're watching at home, you can always use uh, BibleGateway.com to get to Luke chapter five and talk about some of these things that we're gonna revisit today from a different perspective. So as we dig in, this is the, the, the first part here in verse 17, that Luke tells us that on one of those days as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from all Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst of Jesus." And when he saw their faith, again, not the faith of the paralyzed man, but when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question and get upset, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, and picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today." One of the methods I like to use from time to time when it comes to Bible study, um, and I really wish I had a cool title for it, but basically just call it like, who am I? Like in the study, if I'm looking at a a testimony, if I'm looking at a story, who am I in this? If I look at the cast of characters, where do I fit and what can I learn from it? And so if we look at this particular one, we start with looking at the cast of characters. Uh, There's Jesus, we tend to, not necessarily put ourselves in the place of Jesus because, you know, he's Jesus and uh, I'm not. Um, I will take and say for many studies, if you use the Who Am I study, though are times you're supposed to be in Jesus' spot. You're, you're his ambassador, you're his son, you're his daughter, you're his his steward, you are part of the church, you are taking the mission out. There's a lot of things that we should be learning from, from Jesus in these different areas uh, or that we might be in the place of when we're looking at a situation, uh, but not in this one. So that's okay if you want to fill that for Luke, chapter five. The other cast of characters are the ones that get a little bit more interesting to me. Who, who already have, you've got the the crowd at the house, that are pressing in to, to see Jesus. You've got... Uh, you know, the, the religious leaders are part of that as well. Um, and you've got the man who needs Jesus, and you've got the friends that, that bring him. That, that basically covers 95% of who's there. Um, and the question becomes, if we're looking at this particular story of bringing someone to Jesus, who am I, not who am I, not who am I should be? Not. Not who I should be, but who am I? And you can actually find yourself in the midst of a couple of those cast of characters. I, I think as much as some people are leery of putting themselves in Jesus' spot, we're even more leery of putting ourselves in the religious leader's spots because we've all been trained as we grew up that they're the bad guys. Uh, and I don't want to be in the spot of the bad guys. But I think sometimes, in some circumstances, we give religious leaders a bad rap Uh, in Jesus' time, yes, they are goofballs, yes, they missed him, yes, they did many bad things, yes, they couldn't make the transition from the law into the fulfillment of the law like Jesus has been teaching us about for the last several weeks. Um, But that's a group. We also see Pharisees and Sadducees that Jesus is sitting and talking to and having good conversations with. We see him have some friendships. We see some that turn to Jesus, uh, Nicodemus, for example who came out of the Christian closet and when Jesus is deaf to bury him and to be able to pronounce that he is a, was as a follower of Jesus Christ. So there's good and bads within them, but most of it, whenever we're seeing them, and in, in this case would be included, we tend to see people who are devoted to God, they are devoted to God, um, that are trying to do A, B, C, D, and E to be good and um, don't like getting outside their comfort zone very much. And if we're really honest from that perspective, I know there's seasons of my life I look back at and I was there. I know that that there's, there's people from a a big picture standpoint that are comfortable, you know, Sunday mornings, or comfortable calling themselves a Christian because of the way they were raised, or whatever the case might be, but don't really have that freedom and that relationship and that purpose in their life at the level that Christ is calling us to. So we could see ourselves within that type of situation here when it comes to bringing people to Jesus who need him, that we don't really get involved, we don't put a lot of mindfulness to it, we don't go outside of our comfort zones to be those people, we actually can get quite uncomfortable with it. Um, With the crowd, the crowd I think, they're a little bit more amped up, at least curious, wanting to see more, wanting to be in more, um, wanting things from Jesus, which we tend to do sometimes more than we ought. Um, but the thing that's interesting is they're wanting Jesus, but do you notice the walls have stopped them? Whether it be the crowd has stopped them, or the, the physical building has stopped them, or lack of door has stopped them. And a lot of times we want more Jesus, but past hurts, or comfort zones, or things haven't gone well before when I tried to do this, this, and this. There's walls that we stop, that we get interested in Jesus, we're close to Jesus, but we don't experience him at that level that he calls us to. And then you've got his friends. His friends who say, no, this guy needs Jesus. And it doesn't matter if there's walls, it doesn't matter if there's crowds, it doesn't matter if it's uncomfortable, it doesn't matter if they're going to sue us for messing up their roof, it doesn't matter what anybody says, thinks, or stills, it doesn't matter how much work it is. So I don't know how much work it was to carry that guy there, but I do know it probably was even more work to get him up on the roof to be able to lower him down into it. And that's when Jesus looked at him and said, those guys are amazing. Those guys are amazing. And it was their faith that, he'll, that they got the guy forgiven before the guy even said anything. What's all this have to do? Well, stepping in the house and stepping into the commission. We're supposed to be leading people to Jesus. Now, if you find yourself in the place of the paralytic, is that right? Did I say that wrong? Paralytic? Paralytic? paralytic. Whatever. The, the, the back, whatever, corner here always likes to double-check me on everything. Uh, <laughs> but, Scott, you're going to have to get back here if I say something wrong to help him. You're usually part of that. Nah, you're spellings more than you all miss, yeah. Um, the, uh, you could be in that place. It could be that you don't know Jesus. It could be that you're struggling in life. might be that it's hard and you need more, and absolutely get it fully. That's what we're here for, for first and foremost. According to the Word, all it takes is taking the saying that you believe in the Son of God, that he's God and you're not, that you believe they died and rose again, accepting his forgiveness and starting a new life, his way, his purpose, his plan, his direction, Uh, we'd love to be a part of that. But looking around the room, for most of us, I think we're kind of looking at how do we step into these things that we've been talking about in the dreams, how do we talk about, step into the things that we see happening in our church, how does that work and what will kill it in a heartbeat. So with that, if we put ourselves into the place that we want to be the friends that go out and see the people in need and lean into their lives and bring them to Jesus, that's gonna kind of bring us up to this point of talking about these rooms that are behind me. Now, if you cannot see these rooms, that's okay. We're gonna go through them one by one and talk about them a little bit. It's mostly there just to kind of recollect our brain of some of the past things that we talk about. But uh, before we get into it, I'm gonna pray over that last little part. Um, because if we don't get that, the rest of us is just gonna be kind of trying to get through my uh, my speaking here. Dearly Father, I pray that you move in our house, I pray that you move in our hearts, and I pray that you help us to take a moment here and not not just roll into it thinking about the same old things we talked about or the same old things we're supposed to do or the same old things I mess up or the same old things that I do well, or whatever the case may be, but that we take today as an opportunity to really let everything that you've been laying as a foundation into our church over the last year and a half when we first started talking about the code being dropped, to today of celebrating what you have been doing, celebrating those who have been saying yes to you, celebrating what um, occurs when some comfort zones have already fallen, but also to be realistic within ourselves of where we are as far as the religious leaders or the crowd that's curious, but just is comfortable to a certain extent, or when it comes to being friends like we see modeled here, leading others to the Lord, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to encourage each other and teach each other to obey everything you commanded of us for this life of purpose and freedom. I pray that today is just a time where we become very, very mindful because stepping into that is a choice. And we're too good at feeling the tingle here and there, but not making the choice. So help us to be resurrected in our mindset and our actions, and our devotion to building the kingdom. We pray this in your son's precious name, amen. So listen, this week is gonna be kind of an easy one, but like I said, hopefully a point one as we go through some of these different areas. Um, And I just basically wanna walk through the rooms with you. We've been talking about turning on the switches, we're talking about illuminating, we're talking about looking around, we're looking to see what's there, we're seeing what God's building within it. Everything it comes into would be ridiculous if we were in a house and found a bunch of rooms that we didn't know were there and then just decided, well, we didn't need them before. I guess we don't need them now, and just ignore it. We'd be curious and we'd go further in. So let me just kind of go through some of the areas of our house w- with you and talk about ways that if you feel this is a room that I need to explore more, this is a room I need to reside in for a while, this is a room I need to contribute to, some tangible ways to do that, some first steps to be able to do that. Again, some of this will be recap, some of it will not. And uh, I'm going to say, with the help of Michael, if somebody has an idea in that area that has worked for you or something that you want to throw out, raise your hand and we'll bring a microphone to you so you can share it with everybody. Sound good? Did that confuse you, Monica? Yeah, I'm going to talk about ways, tangible ways in these rooms as we go into them, uh, suggestions of how to grow in that particular area. If you have an idea, anybody in the room, anyone else, you raise your hand, and Michael will bring it to you. But, but seriously, feel, feel free if you've got an idea. Um, but I want to start out with uh, but, but this, let me put it up here so you can do note-taking too. But the first area I want to look at when we talk about these rooms is actually the, the, the current rooms, the rooms that we already have. Uh, this is not something that's new or f- fresh. In some areas, there's areas that God's already been working at within our church for the last 18 years. Um, that I don't want to take for granted. And quite frankly, some of us might not be at the point of going into some of these, the, the new rooms, or there's gotta be a better term, but because we've, we've been dabbling in them with the new focuses. Um, if you're not comf- comfortable in the current rooms, that might be your first step before getting to some of these others. Uh, and when I talk about the current rooms, uh, we're, we're talking about the ones represented here on, the, on this uh, diagram that Mike put together for us. Um, that really come down to the five basics of what a church is. And this is usually where I see new new churches uh, struggle is if they don't understand that we have to be majoring on five different levels as a church. Uh, Those levels are worship, uh, not just through music, but that's definitely a big part of it, but worship. Um, Our own personal ministry, who we are as individuals and uh, encouraging people, training people, and sending them out to do the gospel, Um, evangelism, taking the, the message out to others as well. Um, fellowship is a big part of that, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And discipleship, helping each other to grow, to be more like Jesus. Um, the re- reason why I at each one is uh, a, a, a previous member of ours came up with the, the slogan, when my excellent friend died. That's the first letter of each of those. So, worship, my own ministry, evangelism, uh, fellowship, and discipleship. We. Re- Generally, now it's become a lot more fluid over the years because our church is like um, one big home group in many aspects. But generally, generally, Sunday mornings, if you come into Sunday mornings, you're getting to at least dabble in worship and discipleship. that, that That's really the main focus of sun, sun, Sunday mornings. Uh, we get a lot of the others in here as well. Like you could say, well, I... Fellowship every Sunday morning. I get here at 10 o'clock and I don't leave until 1, and all that kind of stuff. Um, A lot of people don't. A lot of people get here five minutes before, and a lot of people leave five minutes after uh, God is good, if we even get you for that long. And there's not a lot of fellowship built into it. For, for those levels. So on the entry level, those are the two areas that are there. Now evangelism is obviously built into it as well, because we shouldn't just be coming to Sunday morning for ourselves, but inviting others who need that kind of community in their lives as well. So evangelism is there. But it's not one of the two majors. It's one of the op- major opportunities. Home groups and those type of activities throughout the week is more where we see um, personal shape, where you're not just sitting there staring at me like I'm an idiot like you are right now. Uh, but you're dialoguing, you're talking, you're sharing ideas, you're getting opportunities uh, to do what I call safe failure, uh, where maybe you might lead a song or you might teach one lesson. Um, and if you mess it up, no one cares, because they love you. And so you have an opportunity to grow from that, learn with that, that that's a, a big uh, part of that as well. Uh, and then that's also not just for your personal shape, but for fellowship. And you might think a. Uh, a pastor is blasphemous for saying this, uh, but the study is not the main part to me. Um, it, it's important, that's part of our fellowship. But for us, being able to have relationships and being interactive is very important. Uh, and then there's a major uh, possibility within that as well, major challenge within that, and it's evangelism. Both are built for evangelism, because people who need Jesus sometimes respond better to a Sunday morning, sometimes they respond better to hanging out with a group of friends at a coffee house or somebody's house just depends. You okay? You got a big sneeze, don't you? Just blow your nose on his shirt. <laughs> I would love that. You tried not to? Not this time? <laughs> so if you are new to the church, um, if you are around forever, but have not dove into one of those critical, critical areas, those are, I really suggest to be your four steps is to find ways to, to, to turn into those big five. Uh, the reason I say that that can be a stumbling block for a lot of newer churches is, uh, is because, like there was one group that I was working with, they were incredible at evangelism, just incredible evangelism. So we're gonna turn this into a church. Okay, so what's your discipleship plan, what's your worship plan, You know how are you gonna do fellowship? Oh, we don't do any of that kind of stuff. Okay, just be a ministry then. Trust me, you're going to kill yourself if you're trying to, to be a church that way. So that's some of the suggestions, just kind of stepping in. Coming in 20 minutes early on Sunday mornings, leaving 20 minutes late that is a good suggestion. We've got a new home group coming up I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. We've got activities going on all the time. Show up a 48-plus club. There's a lot of different ways to be able to lean in uh, depending on your environment. Sound good? Any ideas? Anybody want to throw anything into that besides Monica? I'm kidding. Monica can speak all she wants. She's got good stuff. Okay, let's go to the first room then. <laughs> that really wasn't permission. Okay. <laughs> Second one, relational evangelism. And this is an area we're growing it, and we must, must grow in. Uh, what's relational evangelism, anybody?
2: <laughs>
1: I love it. Sounds like how we met. Pretty close. I miss Pizza Hut. China. Relational evangelism is, I believe, the most powerful way to get somebody who's on a mat up and walking again. I think it's just the, the most powerful way. Um, we can do Facebook boosted ads, and we do. We can do billboards. We can do mellows. I can go out there all week long and hit a pan with a spoon and all kinds of stuff. Uh, none of it is as powerful as you sitting with a friend or a family member at... Uh, work or at school or at a coffee shop or whatever the case may be. Uh, We know that a, and this is the stuff that's just crazy, we know that a very large percentage of people say that they would give church another chance if someone they knew invited them that was the real deal. And there's a lot lot of little details in that. If you're a hypocrite at work, that doesn't apply to you. I love you, but you got some work to do. Maybe you got some apologizing to do, you got some new decisions to make, whatever the case may be. But if they saw a Christian that was the real deal with their failures and successes and said, That's not like the person who hurt me and my family when we were kids, that's not like the person, who hurt. if they asked me to church, I would go. And the best part about that is make sure that you realize, like, let's say we have back church Sunday, so you invite somebody and they say, Oh man, this week I've got this family event. Okay, guess what? We're here every Sunday. We have all kinds of home groups, all kinds of events, so that you can do what's called invitational evangelism. And why, it, I'll, I'll be honest, it's so easy and so intimidating at the same standpoint, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll be with it. And it, I have invited people for years before they come to the Lord. It's not something that, well, I tried it once, and they didn't really want into it. Let the Spirit work on that. Follow the spirit. Don't hound everybody in the world. But, but reaching out to each other. Doing that invitation. Sharing your testimony. When's the last time you shared your testimony? It's a very easy way to start with a relational evangelism. Your one-on-one is so much more powerful than anything that we could spend a bunch of money on or anything that I, I, I can do. Um, so it's got to be intentional. It's got to be uh, invitational. Your testimony, uh, be willing to share that in the heartbeat. That's how people connect with you and they see God move in, in situations that maybe they've been through themselves or going through right now. Um, being willing to engage in other people's struggles. Um, we, we, don't, we don't lead them to Jesus by standing up on the stage and say, come on, we go put them on a mat. We go carry them we go lower them through the roofs and we share the gospel with them. And we're very mindful of how we share the gospel. I, I, I'm not gonna go into it too much, but you guys know that River Valley had like a bump with their graduation and how someone said something. So I know that different people going to have different ways of, of thinking about that or what should have happened and what shouldn't have happened, that's fine. Um, but, but generally remember this. The gospel will cause disruption. It is counterculture but the Bible does not tell us that how we share that gospel is supposed to be disruptive. There's a lot of ways to share the gospel as we follow the Spirit, and Jesus was a master at it. Paul was a master at it, so was Peter. And so we need the Holy Spirit to engage and do his part. Any other ideas on relational evangelism, or are you guys just gonna sit here all day? (laughs) But you always just do the talking. Oh, Tammy's got one, come on, Michael. Come on, baby. Oh, you know take your time <laughs> unmute it <laughs> go ahead Tam
3: I can stay seated right yeah yeah can you hear me I can't hear yeah you. we can hear okay. you um, ever since you started talking the main thing that I thought about was just what God's been working in me Uh, over the last, I don't know, probably six months or more. But it's like, um, you know, I I would read these devotionals, and it would be about fear, or it would be about jealousy, or worry, you know, all these things. And it's like, what is the answer? So when we're talking about all these things, there's so many opportunities we're not going to even be aware of Mm -hmm. or notice unless we're really right with God. You know, just pressing into, you know, a relationship with God, slowing down, watching, watching for opportunities. I've ran into so many neat things, you know, that in itself... You know, it, it might have not even lasted five minutes, and I didn't get a shared Jesus, but the spirit of Jesus is in me. Mm-hmm. And that person's life is going to have so many things in it. will they remember that event is a per, a, you know, a positive thing in their life. There was, <laughs> there was a little girl that was shopping um, with her mom at the grocery store. And I had on a real fancy pair of cowboy boots. That little girl stared at me and followed me halfway through the store. Finally, we were close enough. I said, "Do you like my boots?" And and she was like all smiles and everything. And I said, "Would you like to try them on?" And so right there in the grocery store, you know, it was just something that just kind of bubbled out of my heart Mm -hmm. that this is going to be you know a fun special moment for this little girl she's going to experience joy you know i mean that love of christ is coming out of me when i'm connecting with somebody like that you know so this little girl the boots came up to her knees (laughs) and she tried my boots on Uh, she said they were too big, though, so she didn't want to. You know, <laughs> keep them. Yeah, keep them. That's awesome. So, but just things like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for me, I can't figure out, you know, exactly what it is God wants me to do unless I'm really
1: In there. Step, yeah.
3: He's with me. I'm there with him.
1: Gotcha. That's good. Sorry,
3: I talked so long.
1: No, no you're, you're fine. fine. <laughs> you're fine. Um, no, I think, and again, one of the things I love about that is like it, like reading a devotional, something that stands out to us almost always, we stop there, voices. It could be somebody that day that needs to hear that devotional, and, and, and share that with them, or they need to see us not rip somebody's head off, because that devotional helped us, and they see Christ in action. There's a lot of ways of listening to, and I'm not going to say I'm upset or anything, but I've asked you three times to try on those boots. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Whatever, that's fine, that's fine. Let me go to the third one here. Oh, Tommy, yes. Now you gotta wait for Michael. He gets mad. I know, but they can't hear you on the internet. Now we're only only able to do like maybe one or two each just because of time, but.
2: Uh, As a lot of you know, I work with individuals with uh, mental and physical handicaps and the gentleman that I work with the most he is constantly testing me um he'll say stuff that i know isn't right when it comes to god and um i will preach to him and explain to him why he shouldn't say stuff like that and i always thought it was just kind of going in one ear and out the other with him and then uh anyways uh one day i came into work and I knew his mom was sick and I asked him how his mom was doing and he sat down beside me and he said Lee I I want you to pray for my mom I want her to get better will you please ask God to make my mom better and that told me right there that what I had been doing wasn't for nothing Hmm. and that he was hearing me I mean, he still tells me to shut up sometimes when I do that stuff, but at least I know it's because he's probably getting something out of it, and he wants me to stop because he then maybe he'll allow God into his life, and he will feel like he he needs to behave or something. I don't know. (laughs) But it made me feel good to know that I wasn't, you know, preaching to him for nothing.
1: Very cool. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thank
1: you, Michael. <laughs> Every time I talk, I lose it. No, you get, and, uh, and And it's who I think it is, correct?
2: Yes.
1: And he, he used to come to church some, you and lot. it's, yeah. I tell you yeah. a lot how much he tests.
2: And
1: yeah, and, and, and again, I think it's a good example and good testimony of not just a one-time hit and then you think it's a lost cause, because that, that's been years, years. Right. Um, let's go to the next one. It, Another area is we've been talking about organic gatherings, and um, I know some of these titles, I just kind of want to expand a little bit because they make sense to me, but not necessarily to everybody else. Uh, But organic uh, gatherings basically happen when a new ministry is started, because God has laid the heart on on somebody's heart within the church about that ministry. Uh, I've shared before that we start a new ministry where we have three things, when we have leaders for that ministry, and there's a need for that ministry and we have the resources for the, that ministry. Those are the three things that I look for when starting the new ministry. Um, one of the things that I love about our church but we've seen a great increase in in the last year or so uh, is people coming and saying I feel God wants me to do this. Um, how does that fit into the church and how do we move forward? Um, because the opposite, and it used to happen here but I think I made enough people mad over time where people would come and say I think the church needs to do this. Uh, You should do this. And my thought process, as simple as it is, is just, well, God didn't lay that on my heart. He laid on your heart. So how can we support you? How can we move those things forward? And we're seeing a lot of movement in those areas where people are coming forward, uh, not always with the most confidence of like, hey, I've got the perfect solution to be able to take, you know, whatever. It's just kind of like, dude, God's been nagging me about this, and I wish he would stop. Ooh, let me help God nag (laughs) yeah, let's get into that. What's that mean? What's that look like? Um, And so I'm excited about that. And and I really do encourage you, if God's laying something on your heart, to communicate with us about that. Um, I, I can't say that everything becomes a church ministry. Uh, sometimes it's something you're supposed to be doing and then we can support you as brothers and sisters Christ in the church. And then other things fall under the church umbrella. And I would say probably 90% of all the conversations I've had in the last 18 years in this area have fallen under the church umbrella. Uh, that, that God is doing something and we don't know it unless if you bring it up. Uh, so some of the things that are more recent, again we're working uh, on a new, uh, I think, an improved autism group. Uh, We've got the uh, personality group that Mira talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, That was going to start this Wednesday. It's now starting the Wednesday after. So if you've not caught that announcement yet, uh, that's coming up. Um, But the personality group, uh, summer group, the home group, I'm very excited about that. If you guys want to talk about how that came together, I I love the story of how that came together. Um, And the first prayer night. First Friday of every, every month, that would be this week as well. Uh, the home group start this Thursday at uh, Angie's house. It's really exciting to see those things happen because for, it's, it's too easy for a church to become centralized around the pastor, and that's really not the job. That, that's really not what it's supposed to be. I, I'm here to train, equip, and descend, and I want to support the living daylights out of what God's doing in your life. So that's, that's that open opportunity. Any thoughts on that? Any other ideas within the organic groups? Angie's looking at Mary, Mary's not looking at anybody. Anybody? <laughs> but here's what I'm excited about, and uh, talk about it a little bit more. That, that group is starting out on prayer, and that's gonna be so pivotal as you're here in a few minutes, that I hope that that works out, that you guys can spend some time on Thursday nights. Number four, informal fellowship, informal fellowship. Um, I like formal fellowship, the difference between the formal and the informal to me is whether or not myself or the elders or one of the staff members are planning it or if it's being planned within the churches because it's natural. uh, Acts chapter two of the first century church, they got together in each other's homes and the synagogues every day. Formal worship, informal worship. We do stuff as a church. and We do stuff just because it just happens in the moment and we have some great stuff going on. And I've seen a lot of happen. If you want to be part of that, uh, the worst thing you could do is sit there and wait and be invited. Uh, you're setting yourself up for a fall of Satan. I'm just gonna sit here until somebody invites me because I saw them do it with that person. I saw them do it with that person. They're all talking to me. No one likes me. No one cares about me. Might as well go eat worms, right? Um, that <laughs> Satan wants us in that boat. That, that's not, I, I'm not supposed to sit and wait. I'm a doer. So I'm gonna invite somebody to go to lunch. I'm gonna invite somebody to go get coffee. I'm gonna invite three or four people of my house and watch a movie. I'm gonna invite this, I'm gonna invite that. Go for it, just go for it. And when somebody can't go, don't, oh my gosh, they're obviously blowing me off, just stop. Just invite somebody. I know, it's hard, it's hard. But I love when I go into Panera and find five women from our church together and I had no idea anything was going on. That's awesome. Uh, that's that's what our community should look like. Um, the Mi Jalapeno stuff. Uh, Mi Jalapeno, I don't know if you like Mi Jalapeno or not. It's mostly just because they can usually get us in compared to some of the other places that we've tried. Um, but just, just fellowship because it's just as easy as like, hey, I'm hungry, I'm going to Mi Jalapeno. Anybody want to go with me? It's just that simple. It's beautiful, and I love what I'm seeing when it comes to fellowship. I'm seeing people connect with each other never connected with each other before, and I hope that you're a part of that as well. Casual plans, 48 Plus Club is kind of formal work, fellowship, but is it? Really. Is it? Not really. <laughs> That's a good one. The ladies' gatherings, um, and I, I'm not going to celebrate a lot of people, but no one's doing it better than Angela. And she's doing killer in this area, and a lot of people appreciate the efforts that she has done so far. Mm-hmm. I know I do her uh, as her and my daughter had coffee this last Saturday, but can't celebrate everybody, so I won't talk about her. <laughs> more fellowship, anything? Ideas, questions, testimonies? I'm gonna have somebody with this bottle before the end of the day. Anybody? Okay. Kathy wants to share about it not so much five personal ministry personal ministry this is going back into what i was talking about earlier is one of our five fundamentals but i'm seeing it move in ways that we've never had it move before so it's kind of throw back into that organic aspect of things um but it's basically serving the way that you were made to serve whether it be inside the church or outside the church um, again it's been there as far as people working with kids people working with the youth group worship team Coffee, the soundboard, uh, and computer guys, doing the, the yard, um, Amy with the grief group. Um, if, if all goes well this fall, I'll be starting the divorce uh, support group uh, that we've been working towards for a long time. But it's basically identify who you are in Christ and then doing something with it. Because there's nothing worse than investing something into you and it goes to waste. So the, the anagram that we use for this is shape. Um, and it's not mine. It's from some pastor out in California. But shape is that we're all created uniquely. You have spiritual gifts but not the same spiritual gifts as everybody else around you. You have something you're passionate about, a heart. What, what are you passionate about? Um, you have abilities. Things that you have uh, attained and learned, whether it be how to work on a car or how to play a guitar. Uh, You have P, personality, your personality is different than mine. and the whole church said amen. Um, And then E, we all have different experiences from each other. Now you might have some similarities in some of those areas, but your combination is unique to you. And why did God give that to you? How do I use that for the Great Commission? How do I use that to serve him? Again, in the church, but also outside the church, in the community or whatever mission field he put you into. And we're seeing some great moves within that. If that's something that you struggle with, make sure you touch base with me. There's a uh, spiritual gift assessment I would love to get you started with. It's five bucks. Uh, and if you don't have it, I'll pay for it. Um, but it's a great way to get started. But I'm seeing more people ask the question, who am I in Christ and how do I use this? Anything? Everybody's like, oh, if I keep talking, I don't get it. I go to lunch. Anybody? 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 (laughs) Come on, Michael. Unless if you're passing the torch to somebody else.
4: (laughs) Fair. So I have a lot of passions. That's one of my strengths and weaknesses. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I understand.
4: So I obviously am passionate about worship. That's one of the things I already do. Um, But I'm also... Uh, passionate about counseling which I, I do very informally most mm-hmm. of the time uh, just with you know it just it comes up with friends and acquaintances and whatever um, and then also some teaching and there's a Facebook group I was in for a while of Christian women supporting each other or something like that and people in there talked about not knowing how to go about studying the Bible and uh, something I learned a long time ago was the inductive Bible study method, which I talk about a lot. Anybody can ask me about it because I can go on for hours. Um, and so I asked people, are you interested in, in learning about this? And enough people were that I started a separate group. And I, even though I'm really, really bad about being consistent, <laughs> the last time I checked, there were 330-some people that were in that. Um, and that's just a way it's not like me teaching everybody it's me facilitating because there's plenty of people in the group that already know about it but it's me helping those who don't know to learn from those of us who do know about a way to study the Bible that's easy that's awesome
1: you want to hand over to Mary just to save Michael some steps (laughs) he's getting tutorial now about his job
4: all right so um, starting next week, I have finally started my personal ministry, the Enneagram group. And it actually relates a lot to what you're saying about the different gifts we all have. And the Enneagram actually touches on that a lot, which I've discovered like what my strengths are in Christ, in my personal life, and how I can help others and show others how they can just understand themselves. And it's honestly been amazing just to see myself and that has become a ministry just showing others who they are and their strengths the walls they have between them and God Mm -hmm. and so it's just been cool to like have my personal ministry be my personal self and showing that to others as well.
1: That's awesome and it's great too. I'm glad glad we'll be doing that. Thank you guys. Next one. Community partnerships. Community partnerships. This is something that we're growing in as a church, but I also want to put out there to be thinking about as individuals as well. Community partnerships has been a big part of us since the beginning because we started as a bookstore. and We understood very early the power of networking with other ministries instead of trying to do our own food pantry and put our church name on it and do our own, but how to network with others within the body of Christ to be able to do them well. This year, as you, most of you know, we've been taking some some new steps in those areas. Right now, we started that bi- uh, bi-monthly. how to get involved. Uh, we did, oh, peanut butter and jelly, and I really like being able to do the peanut butter and jelly night with one another. We slammed that out. Um, diaper ministry was the other one for First Presby. Uh, here in... Uh, Well, next week, we'll be working with Voice of Hope, and Voice of Hope will be here to be able to talk to us about some of the things in their ministry. Um, We're working with uh, Spiro Health uh, in a couple months as well. But uh, I also want to encourage people to find ways to partner within the community on our own. Jenny Haug takes and works with Leaper Ministries. Jenny Haug works with Love, Inc. Ministries. There's other areas that we can uh, plug into. Volunteer-wise, one of the things we did Thursday night, uh, I was, <laughs> sorry, I was teasing somebody with this earlier, but I don't mean to tease with them. Uh, but like Thursday night, uh, Emily and I, uh, were trying to figure out what we were going to do with our night. And it really came down to, with the storm coming in, either we're going to sit and watch Netflix, uh, but there's also a group called Be the... Uh, be the city, be be something like that, be be the village. Um, that does a lot of great work for foster families and they were uh, requesting some people to help out, go down to Remnant and put together packets, uh, outreach packets to uh, foster parents, to encourage them. Um, and so we went down and did that, kind of like the peanut butter and jelly night, I think we were done in like 17 minutes Uh, because it it went so fast. It's like one of those things like hey, can we help? Sure, have a seat, okay, thanks for coming. It's like oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, But um, there's a lot of opportunities out there. How can we partner with the community and be able to serve? I think one of the big things is I'm really feeling more and more of a passion in letting the community see the church in the community. Not to do it as some kind of marketing campaign, but let's make sure the community is seeing the church in the community. Uh, Another great way to be able to do this is after uh, George, today again, we've got a VBS meeting, but uh, I think today is a work day for the mission uh, yard sale coming up, correct? Is that still on? Uh, being part of the yard, yard sale going over, she needs big time help getting clothing out and pricing today. and There's more work uh, this Tuesday as a work day as well, if I remember them correctly. Tuesday set up. Um, great opportunity to be in the community, let the community see the church, to be able to support our sister with her her mission fund, and be able to support missions as well. So a lot of ways to do community partnership, and I'm excited to see what Christ does with that. Thoughts? Mm -hmm. Anybody just want to sing a song? (laughs) Bob? (laughs) (laughs) I hope he's not carrying today. Okay, (laughs) seven, (laughs) missions. Missions. there's a lot of ways you can plug into missions. We, we, we've been, been blessed with this relationship with Mogan in Thailand um, and, and supporting the ministry she's doing with least of these ministries. Um, you, you could do something to encourage her. You could take and go on a trip yourself. Uh, we'll help you if that's something that you're looking at doing and getting plugged into some different areas uh, to really get involved. I don't think, um, I used to always hear this, but I don't know if I believe the tattoo. it was me. I don't think we fully get missions until we actually go on the field once when it comes to something overseas missions. Um, We have great opportunities through Hope Coffee, uh, which I'm going to do a small plug on. We're getting a little lax on the donations with uh, Hope Coffee, and that helps Hope Coffee and that does the mission work. Uh, We would love to see people step up on that a little bit. Every once in a while I hear somebody like, Rod, do you remember when it used to be free? Yes, do you remember when you had an opportunity to help somebody in need? So, that would be snotty to say, wouldn't it? (laughs) Let's just make it a sermon illustration. Uh, I mean, there's opportunities within that. Uh, Carlos, our compassionate and not child I love our TSF kids, how they've adopted him. Uh, You can adopt him as well. You can write him a letter, you can make him a picture. We can't send anything tangibly, but anything that can become a picture, we can send. Uh, There's a lot of opportunities there. We're really open to looking at what else God wants to do mission-wise. Someone, anyone? I will say why I'm not recognizing, you know, everybody under the sun. Um, I am thankful for uh, Ginger's heart in this area as well. That was one of the, the funds that we had to um, put into the ballpark of just re- when we hit the goal we could put money into. And it was a little over a year ago that, uh, as an old she says, she really felt we needed to just take the faith step uh, on that particular one. And, and God has really used that, so I appreciate her heart bringing it into it. Last one I'll give you is this, generosity. Now, I'm just gonna let you know, if Noah was was feeling well and she could've been here today, that means Katie would've been here today, that would've been an extra 30 minutes and you know it's true, Katie. You would've came up and talked about missions for a long time, you got a great heart on that. Generosity, I'm not gonna say a lot on generosity, that might sound weird, Uh, but only because I just preached on it about two weeks ago, Um, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I guess it was four weeks ago, it was peanut butter and jelly people. Uh, Sorry, it was two months ago. Um, I'm gonna be preaching on generosity next week. That's gonna be the bridge going into the third section, so I don't wanna like overly kill you. Um, But I will say this. Generosity is so much about being a Christian and stepping into this house is generosity. Whether that be finances, your time, your gifts, your spiritual gifts, your personality, whatever you're offering up to the Lord, all of this is generosity. None of this happens if you're not doing it. That, that's just where it comes down. That's why it's such a personal date, I think, today. It's because we are the church as individuals, and then together we make a bigger impact than we could on our own. Does that make sense? And that's what we're called to do. I'll share with you one more uh, character study that I did. And it's been a while ago, because I remember Brent Longstreth was here. Uh, we've, uh, when I went through this, but we did a study on another somewhat familiar story, and we'll go into deeper again when we get to this point of Jesus' life, which is the raising of Lazarus, if you remember that story. Uh, if you're not familiar, Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends, uh, as well as his sisters, Mary and Martha. He was sick. Uh, Jesus didn't come. God put on his heart that it wasn't time for him to come, that there was a purpose for this, and so by the time he did come, Lazarus was gone. He had died, and. Mary came out, and Martha came out, and they were upset, and obviously ripped apart, and Jesus, if you'd only come, he'd still be alive, and there was a similar cast as before. There was the crowd, and the, the family, and there was the religious leaders, and everybody had their opinions of what was going on, and you remember Jesus grieved with him. Well, they came to the the, the climax of this particular testimony is when Jesus raised raised his face, and he, he he said to God, "I love this prayer because I, I, f- I find it comes into all of our lives. God, I'm not praying this prayer for my 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 own sake. I'm praying so that everybody here knows that it's you that does what's about to happen. I'm praying it for their sake so that they don't miss the point. And so, next, move the stone. No, don't move the stone. He's going to stink like a gross dead animal. You know, it's been several days, but they move the stone. He calls him out. Lazarus comes forward." He comes out, uh, everybody's in awe, not good enough for Jesus. He says, get the grave clothes off of him. He's alive, he doesn't need the grave clothes on him. Take the grave clothes off, and there's a big celebration. And it actually becomes the uh the the very first moment they decide they that they're gonna kill Jesus. And um uh, and actually kill Lazarus as well. But it's it's a very similar story. The dead needed Jesus, the life needed th- to come. And to be able to have that, it's a beautiful story of salvation for any of us when we are dead in sin and that Christ can give us life again, that he can bring our resurrection. It's a beautiful story. But if we look at it from a cast of character standpoint and who am I, who am I supposed to be in this? If you're not the one that needs the resurrection, which again, right now is a great opportunity to have that that, that little talk with Jesus, then in that story, you and I are the stone movers. They're very hardly talked about, but the, the job of you and I as the church is to remove the boundaries between us and those that are hurting so that they can experience Jesus Christ. That's who we're called to be. That's what it means to step into this instead of just living our life like with the rest of the world. And I think it's a beautiful opportunity. I think it's actually a very, very beautiful opportunity if we choose it.
0: If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherds Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.